podcast world. What's up? Chad Belding back at you with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. We're coming at you from Canada. We're on one of our yearly trips up here chasing the migration. It's been a, uh, a different year. It's been weird. It's been inconsistent with weather, inconsistent with birds. But one thing stays the same, the camaraderie, the uh, experience, the therapy that Duck Camp, Goose Camp Canada provide for us. So we love coming north of the border every year. And the main reason we love coming up here is because we have a ton of family and friends up here that have taken us in under their wings over the last 15 years. And uh, I, I just don't think there's a better place in the world for duck and goose hunting altogether, let alone starting off our season every year. So to start off the 2019 2020 season we started in alberta made our voyage over to saskatchewan we'll be up here for another six seven days before we head back south following those ducks and geese on their yearly migratory routes um hopefully everybody's doing a great job out there today hope you're kicking the heck out of the world and your daily jobs and your daily routines making a better version of yourself today's episode is brought to you by our friends at federal premium black cloud we choose federal premium black cloud because we feel it's the best ammo to dispatch birds ducks and geese of every size every weight ethically and cleanly we don't like to have a lot of cripples we don't like to see any animal suffer as a hunter if you're going to take on the responsibility of killing an animal to live off of the land to have that food to prepare for your family and friends and provide that source of nutrition we want to do it ethically and morally correct we never ever want to put those animals in harm's way we never want to see them suffer we never want to show them any kind of disrespect or discomfort at all so we choose black cloud because once the birds commit and we get that opportunity presented to us it's quick and it's an easy kill and the birds don't feel anything and that's how we like it to be done so federal premium black cloud thank you so much for the partnership over the years and today's episode is also brought to you by lear camper shells camper tops for security for comfort for safety for storage anything that you want to keep in the back of your truck as we travel down america's roads canada's back roads we have everything from camera equipment in there to snacks to coolers to guns to ammo to our dogs our dog camp and they are so important to us. We want them to be safe and secure at all times. And all of the new upgrades on the Lear Camper Tops are unbelievable. Check them out on all of the Instagram, all the social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, like I said before, and their website. Lear supplies us the exact comfort and security that we need with their camper shells. And I was just looking at them today with that new Lear locker as you pull it down to a 45 degree angle on your tailgate and you have all these guns and ammo and everything in the top of your camper shell. It just It's an amazing build. It's an amazing design from the windows to the sliding windows to the to the to everything that it provides for you for for your trips across the country to keep all of your gear safe we park at a lot of different hotels or lodges and we depend on lear to make sure when we wake up in the morning all of our stuff is still there ready to go to the next destination thank you lear today's guest is a buddy of mine for the last 15 years we met him when we first started coming to buck paradise outfitters and he's uh he's taken a couple different journeys of himself he's an entrepreneur he's 34 35 years old going on 50 he's uh he's getting to be an old man already I've been having a lot of talks with him about it. Mr. Brandon Shiver, how the heck are you, buddy? Doing good, Chad. Yeah, doing good. Good to be down here, spending a little bit of time with you guys again. Yeah, it was, was kind of cool, huh? Get out on that hunt yesterday? Yeah, no, it was good. Haven't seen you guys in a while, and uh, it's always good to cross paths as old friends when you, you spend so much time with guys, you know, doing what you do for a living. But best thing about it is you build friendships like we've done with you guys here over the years, so it's good to catch up again. Yeah, and it's like we hadn't seen each other in a few years. When we jumped back in the blind, it was like we never missed a beat. Yep, you bet. Get back out there, chasing birds birds and just do what you do hang out in the blind bs a bit tell some old stories and uh try and put some ducks and geese in the dirt so that what you learned here you know you were a guide for grant for years but you've kind of set your own direction your own tone your own story after that right so did you learn a lot of what became your foundation seeing grant and how he marketed and how he ran the tv crews that came up here from the states how he booked hunters his crew his service his attention to detail did you learn a lot of that and attribute some of that to grant and buck paradise absolutely you know you can't you can't say he didn't teach me a lot of what i know and the way i did things because of what i learned from grant and his crew and the more you hang out with more people you know you become more diversified you you, you see the way people do things and a lot of that springs from your parents i believe the way they teach you some of the morals of, of your upbringing things like that and as you leave home and spend time with other people you know grant being my family as well my, one of my first cousins but uh he runs a good business and he, he did teach me a lot of good values and, and everybody puts their own twist on onto you know the way they want to operate and do a business that's why you venture off sometimes and do your own thing but uh 
definitely a lot of the the ways that Grant did things here are instilled in the way I still do things today. So how important is, you know, it starts with a passion for the outdoors, but then there's a lot of things that you have to understand to do what you do and meaning going out on your own and be and starting a brand, starting a outfitting service, something that, you know, you're taking people's money to put them on a hunt or a fishing trip or, you know, a, an experience. And there's so much that goes into that. So did you know when you were working for Grant that you wanted to continue in the field, but do it on your own and take it to the next level as far as like diversifying even more out and what you've done in the fishing world, which we'll get into? Yeah. You know, when, when you get into this business, it's, it's not so much, even when you start as a guide, you have to love what you do. And if you don't like it, you're, you're, you know, you're not going to go anywhere. First off, like you said, you're selling these people an experience. Yes, it's all rooted from either a hunting or a fishing trip, but it's a, a whole ordeal right from start to finish. When, the, when these people walk in your door, you've taken their money. And for that, you have to provide a service and you should provide a good service. There is some outfitters out there that just feel people come up here, hunt, you sick them out in a field, bird show up, they have their time with them, they go home. And to us and that's one thing grant taught me it's it's definitely not just about that you you can build a personal relationship with each and every client and a lot of them become great friends and that's another great part about being in this business so what where at what point brandon in your guiding for grant did you say i want to do this on my own was it hard was it a difficult talk to have a conversation did grant say whoa i don't want you to leave let's partner up or i'll pay you more to be my head guide what goes off in your mind as an entrepreneur of saying hey i'm ready to take the next step in this journey of becoming my own boss my own you know my own did you know it from a young age you were going to own your own businesses or did you just kind of fall into it it's just one of them things that happens you know and you you go with what's thrown at you in life and Grant helped me get set up and, and start into the industry. So it was an easy conversation I had because he encouraged it. You know, as far as we're concerned and me still, I encourage younger guys to do the same as what I did. There isn't enough good outfitters out there. So when you find a good outfitter, stick with them. If they treat you good and you're having a good time with those guys. So yeah, Grant, he, he steered me in the right direction. He helped me launch, you know, getting into the outfitting industry and into that world. And uh, by working with him, I learned those values and... From that, he he basically held my hand through the first part of it, saying, here, do this, do that. We got to do this. And he partnered with me and uh, his brother and away we went, you know, and from there, we just kept working on it and, and went from there. It was it was that what Buck Country became or it did, did it start as Buck Country when you first left Buck Paradise? No. With, so with Buck Paradise, um, that was just like another camp that was within the Buck Paradise, I guess, realm. You know, Grant had three camps on the go, that being one of them, which uh, myself and his brother Dean owned in, in a partnership with Grant. So from that point on, me and Dean wanted to expand that business and, and carry on and do more with it. And Grant's like, Hey, I got enough on my plate boys. Um, you know, we've, we've built this together. It's, it's, you guys are very capable of doing what we do now and uh, carry on your own. And we continue to work together today, still um, different businesses. And now I've sold my part of Buck country to uh, his brother, Dean, and he operates himself and Grant operates Buck paradise. And then I have the fishing lodge up in Northern Saskatchewan with my brother, Adam. So it started as hunting, waterfowl hunting. Yep. Then the waterfowl evolved into you helping out with Grant's deer operation at Buck Paradise. You bear bet. bear operation. Yep. Fall bear, spring bear. Mm-hmm. Um you you turn that into a partnership with his brother Dean and Grant as a three-way partnership and it was just ran under the Buck Paradise umbrella. Correct. So now you you're sitting there going, I'm a hunter. Why, why did you, did you take it to the fishing part of it? I want to know that story of how it evolved of how do you get out of the hunting industry when you, that that's kind of what prompted you and had that fire in your eyes and your soul to be a businessman and to be in this industry. And now is it safe to say that you're not in the hunting industry anymore? Uh, we still do some bear hunting up at our fishing lodge in Northern Saskatchewan. So no, there's, there's, we're still in the hunting industry definitely. And, um, I don't think it's something I'll ever get completely out of because it's it's just what i've done since i've been a young a young man basically so for me to step away from the hunting and get into the fishing world to be honest with you it, it just kind of was one of those things like i said you just go with it when it falls in your lap and uh honestly thought it was going to be very similar to running a hunting operation and uh the seasons were different you know we hunted bears through the spring i was thinking hey we can fish through the summer months come back to waterfowl in the fall and uh, whitetail in, in the later fall to the winter. But uh, turns out 
running a fishing lodge is completely different than uh, running a hunting lodge. So the logistics of it, you know, it's a place that's basically in the middle of nowhere. There's there's no land access into the lake. It's the fourth largest lake in Saskatchewan. So it's a huge body of water um, without any land access. So the, the pressure from people in that area is minimal. So to get everything in and out of there, quite challenging. You know, the wintertime across lakes, frozen frozen streams, lakes, that's the way we're hauling all the stuff in there, a snowmobile and uh, big track machines. And then basically come spring when the ice goes out, we get in an airplane and fly up there and uh, operate for the season. So before you tell me the story of what your new, your business is now, it's Cree Lake Lodge. Correct. C-R-E-E. Yep. Cree Lake. Cree Lake. Lake Trout and Northern Pike. Yeah. Isn't it boring? Come on, Brandon, be honest with me. Just, just, just don't sell me on this right now. I want the honest truth. You're a, you're a go-getter. You got tons of energy. You're, I know how you are, your personality. Can you really just sit there in a boat and, and want to get one of these big lunkers on a hook? Does it, does it really light your fire? And of course I'm playing the devil's advocate here because I understand. I know fishing is awesome. I know making clients is the greatest feeling in the world, but you can't sit there and tell me that you are satisfied with just a couple fish being caught every day or uh, hundreds of fish. You guys catch a lot of fish you got to be missing the ducks, the geese, the camp life, the, the everything that the waterfowl and the deer hunting brought to you or my way off here. And you're completely satisfied with just the fishing part of it. No, no. And that, that, you know, I definitely not just satisfied with it. That's why I'm down here hunting waterfowl with you guys. I haven't hunted a goose in, you know, two years, three years. So, um, definitely missing the hunting thing. This is my first fall without being out in the woods, chasing whitetail around. Cause I just recently, so like I said, sold my portion of buck country to Dean. So, um, yeah, missing it a lot, but um, the fishing thing's good. It's a solid business. It uh, we've put a lot of effort into it. Me and my brother Adam, and like I say, the the challenges that it throws at you, it's it's not that it's boring by any stretch. It it it's quite challenging. And you know, I guided, hunted whitetail and, and bears and waterfowl for better of eighteen years of my life, and I've only done this the last. 10 years of my life. So, you know, I was doing both of them for a while and it was too much. It was too much on a guy's plate. You, you Now I got a, a little boy and another child in the way and family time's pretty important to me. So you, you got to make sacrifices, Chad. And to me, I definitely put my family before anything and the way it all just played out was to continue running the fishing lodge. So it's, uh, it's just business decisions really. And definitely gonna like right now myself, I got 15 of my own whitetail baits out now. So I got some time on my hands. I'm going to go finally, try and find a big whitetail shoot for myself this year because I've been busy, you know, making everybody else's dreams come true, putting giant whitetails in the hands of other people. So I'm going to go uh, try and put one in my hands here this fall. So you and your brothers at a young age were kind of explorers. You guys went out looking for gold. You went out looking for critters. You went out looking for the be- best tree to build a fort in. You were just like myself and my brothers, Clinton Clay. You always wanted to be getting, you know, kids back then, we weren't on iPads. We weren't doing the phone deal. We weren't doing the social media deal. We were getting dirty, right? We were building ramps out of plywood and bricks, and we were building skateboard ramps and whatever it took, right, to be outside. So you guys are just nonstop, just ex, you know, figuring out where that road or that trail is going to take you as kids, and you come upon this lake. You guys were up in the bush just messing around as kids, and you just happened to come across Cree Lake as far as, like, at a young age. I know it was there, and I know other people had been in and experienced it but as far as you personally is that kind of the beginning stages of knowing about Cree Lake and 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 that's where your story started with it yeah you know there's four boys in our family so I got three older brothers I'm the youngest of the four and uh yeah so I'd be 12 years old my oldest brother's 18 and yeah they're dragging me up in the bush and we're going places but that it all kind of roots back again through to Grant and actually Grant's father he had a cabin up in northern Saskatchewan he'd go up there caribou hunting and hanging out and we'd always hear stories there's kids you know sitting around the table with auntie and uncle and and our parents you know how they were up north northern Saskatchewan hunting caribou and and hanging out fishing up there so that kind of intrigued us and I think we went up there once or twice with with Grant's father and spent a bit of time and then uh yeah as we got older we're just like hey we'd look out some you know pull the old paper maps and when you didn't have google earth and things like that and uh we'd start looking around and be like hey we want to get over to this lake so what do we got to do we got to hike over this hill across that stream and get over into there and and we'd cut a trail and go into that lake we'd pack a little canoe in there with us and we'd spend three four five days and camp out and catch some fish and then after we had our fun with that figured that lake and that body watered out we'd move on to the next one and eventually yeah, i got to cree lake and uh my oldest brother found a cabin that was a recreational lease cabin that was for sale on the lake that had been there for years and uh, he ended up purchasing that with my parents so that's really 
the tie we have with getting into Cree Lake was through Grant's Grant's father and Grant's family again. Wow. So that's at a young age that this that this happens of of kind of discovering it for yourself yep. through Grant's father Lan, who yep. rest in peace, Mr. Lan. We all miss him. And you several years later revert back or did you guys start spending summers up at Cree Lake? Did you start putting your boat in the water when your brother got this cabin? Were you guys consistently fishing it and learning the ins and outs of the lakes, the structure, the body of the water? Because where I'm leading into this is what's made you you're so successful as an outfitter up there is that your clients are a lot of return clients because they're consistently catching gigantic lake trout, which range from anywhere from 40 to 60. I don't need, we'll get into how big they get the Northern pike sure. get big, but did you start fishing it at that? time and, and learning your way around it yeah so we basically got an airplane flew in there and uh the cabin had come with a couple boats that were in there that somebody had hauled in in the winter time and just start tuning what do you around. mean you got an airplane and you flew in there you you leased one yep just so hire why? somebody you can't, fly in. you can't you can't drive into cree lake you can't drive to cree lake no no come on you can't but you can't just get on a on no. a truck and drive up to your cabin not a chance really no you why can't. tell me about that there's no there's no roads there's no access it's, there's a, a uranium mine that's about 80 miles from the shore of cree lake and that's basically where the road ends for vehicle traffic and you know we'd try to get quads and go through the bush and stuff like that and we could get close but you run into big big rivers and bodies of water that you just can't get through around so you just go back out and rent an airplane fly in there and it's just one way to get there and yeah that all land on the water yeah land on the water really so we'd lease a plane and hire a plane for rent and fly in there and stay for you know five six days sometimes two weeks and what, on, what age are you when you first get in an airplane to go fish Cree Lake when when your brother had this cabin how old are you I would have been 18 years old when so you're 18 you're just out of high school and you start so we're we're looking at about half of your life now has been spent on Cree Lake or fishing Cree Lake yeah you're almost 35, 36 now, 18 years ago, you start fishing there. Yep. So what are you experiencing there? Are you just a rookie fisherman and you just happened to catch one of these big lunkers or did, was there rumors about it? Did it have, was there stories about how successful people had been on the lake? No, for sure. Cree Lake, there's, there's books about Cree Lake that we read, you know, as younger kids, like a book, uh, North to Cree Lake or Face the North Wind. They're all written about the trappers and how they traveled from big river through the water systems and waterways by canoe. And they'd go up and, and and spend the winters trapping on Cree Lake. So there's a there's an old Hudson Bay trading post. There's a Catholic church up there. There's just settlements. You can't go anywhere around the lake on Cree Lake without finding an old cabin structure that's built out of the, the native logs from there and stuff like that. The natives lived on the lake, basically. So there was a commercial fishery that went on up there in the, the 1940s. And so there's, there's so much history on the lake, but majority of all travel in and out of there was by canoe coming up the waterways or getting in and out of there by airplane. And it's been kept that way till, you know, still today, which is great. You know, I've sat down with some government people in Saskatchewan and been like, we need to preserve this, not because I own a fishing lodge on the lake. It really has nothing to do with it because we have a, there's a gem in this province still that exists nowhere else in the world. So it's, you know, if, if a road ever gets built in there, it's, it's just never going to be the same. Then, then, then the houses start coming, then the restaurants and then the casinos, <laughs> and then it's like Tahoe and then it just covered with tourism. Yeah. And yeah. you have to preserve that. And it's amazing though, that now the next step of your journey starts to happen to where you're outfitting at this time. Now you, you get to the point to where you're working with Grant and you are still going to Cree Lake in your off time fishing with your brothers and your family. Yep. Then you start the outfitting with Grant and his brother, and now you're still fishing at Cree Lake. And then what happens, tell me how it transitions from, from Grant and Dean and you, and how does it go from you and Dean into this? And at the same time, are you already starting a fishing business while you're, while you're running the outfitting service with Dean? Tell me when Grant gets out of it and sells it to you and Dean, does that become buck country? And then at the same time, you start to build your own brand at Cree Lake. Is that right? Yeah, so even while me, Grant, and Dean owned Buck Country, which we just run under Buck Paradise Umbrella together, um, I had owned Cree Lake for five years. So me and my brother Adam were owning and operating Cree Lake. I'd come home, you know, in the fall, get home in the start of September. Me, I'd be down here hunting geese with Grant, go back up October, November, and hunt, hunt whitetail up there with Dean. Then in the wintertime, guy goes and finds some other work, usually works in the oil field or whatever, and then come back spring, May, April, May, you're back bear hunting. End of May, you're back in the plane going up to Cree operate in june july august and it just fit well with everything that that flowed it just it it did but now you know as you build your name and your brand more people find out about you and like we talked about earlier when you're you're putting the money and the effort in to build a solid 
business where you basically you care about the people like you say they're giving you money to come here for an experience and you put a lot of that money back into making sure they have a good experience so it's been good our our marketing program what we've done with Cree has basically not been spending a bunch of money on marketing it's been take that money put it back in your business spend it on your clients and it'll come back around it's taken us you know 10 11 years is a lot longer but very solid repeatable you know service that we have and people but how like did it, you so. get the clients in the beginning if you're if you're up there with your brother and you guys are just starting this did you talk to clients when they were up here goose hunting and yeah. deer hunting and you're yeah. like hey you guys need and then that's is that how it started that was part of it definitely we we definitely brought some people over from the hunting world that hunted and fished so they would come up spend some time with us and it, it went the other way too we had clients where we'd end up with it wanted to come and hunt waterfowl or bear hunt or whitetail hunt and they would come from the fishing lodge and come down there and hunt with us too so it, it actually worked really well as a balance to you know to move clients back and forth between the, the two to three different businesses between our place grant's place and up at Cree lake so so you're you're you got some fishing clients that start to build tell me when you and your brother start to go wow this is this is getting to the point now to where did you take that original cabin and it, did you build a bigger lodge? Did you invest more money into, did you have to buy some land up there? Did you already own the land or is it all public land and you guys got the government to, how does that work out to where you guys actually own a place on the lake? Majority of the land up there is just open public, like they call it crown land up here in Canada. Um, so we have four acres of deeded land. That's what our lodge sits on and how that became deeded was back in the time when the lodges first started, a deal was made with the government and whoever had owned it then bought it. So uh, it was a pretty good deal for us because we basically owned four acres of deeded land in the middle of nowhere with no other deeded land close by it. So it's, uh, again, another one of those rare situations. That was another part of the reason why we actually bought it. Um, just because we, you know, you don't find something like that, four acres of land in the middle of nowhere. So, but yeah, there are some cabins there and a lodge and we just finished building a brand new lodge. So yeah, we're, we're, we're working on it. It's, it's quite costly to change or build or do anything. We bought all brand new boats and put them into play right away when we bought the business because our clients spend, you know, 80% of their time in the boats. So it's a pretty big, important deal to get some new boats in there and make sure everything was in good working order for them. So how do your clients get to the lake then? Airplane. Yeah, they'll come to Fort McMurray, and from there they get on a float plane that we charter, and uh, we put them on the float plane. They fly, they land at the dock, get off the dock at Cree Lake, and they're in our hands for five, ten days, whatever trip they book. And we look after them until that plane lands again, put them on the plane, and they fly back to Fort McMurray and then head home from there. Really? So you go, you go off now. You're an outfitter. You're your own business owner now. You're young when all this is happening. You're saying you've already been starting to. By the time you and Grant start the 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 partnership with dean buck country under the buck paradise umbrella you're already in the cree lake fishing business right uh yeah like i'd we had started that business whitetail world when i was 18 years old that's when i bought my first whitetail tags with grant when i was 21 which is three years later we bought some more whitetail tags with grant with dean that's when dean come in there so me grant and dean and then operating business run that with them for two years and then me and my brother and my parents had bought cree lake lodge and then so now we run cree lake lodge in conjunction with buck paradise with grant and dean for seven years and then uh my, me and my brother buy out my parents portion of cree lake we're operating that now and then dean bought out my portion of buck how does that happen that. why does this happen though to where is it 100 percent this family sacrifice of like you have to give something up because being an all a, a full-time whitetail guide you got bear hunts in there yep tons of responsibility there with with the money that people are giving you to kill a saskatchewan whitetail um is it just your mind is going like, man, I, I can't do this. I'm going to wear out on something's going to give. Something's got to give on this. And you said, you know what, I'm going to take the fishing part of it. Yeah. You know, it's just there's there's a lot going on. But, you know, and at the end of the day, you don't want to put more 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 pressure on either one of your business partners for them to pick up your slack um, when you have to be at one place or the other either right so you got to make sure you put in your equal time at places and and at the end of the day if you're spreading yourself that thin for me it was just I, I had to let something put something down it was too much and for me that would have had no time left for my kids and my, my family and my wife so that's just where it had to be to, to keep things in good order you, you know a guy could get greedy but I don't think it's going to get you ahead at the end of the day explain that to me that's a good lesson to learn in life if you have the ability to keep billing out whitetail hunts yep 
Did you, is it because you understand the importance of presence of how you have to be around, you have to be present, right? You can't just be like, Hey man, I'm going to be up at my fishing lodge and make sure that Dean understands that as a partner, you know, in your heart and your entrepreneurial spirit that you have to be present, right? To grow your brand. Yeah. It's the best way to grow your brand properly. If you want it to be your brand, otherwise it's not really your brand. You're paying somebody to do things the way you would hope. It should be done, but it always doesn't always get done that way. But really your name's on it at the end of the day. So it, it's doable. A lot of people build their businesses like that and do it. So do very well at that. Myself personally, these, like I say, these people are paying you good money that they work hard for to come up here for an experience. Unless I can be fully or partially in control of the experience, and what's brought to them. I don't feel right taking their money because I don't think it's fair. You can't make sure things are going to be done properly unless you're there doing it yourself you can hire some good people and and, you know if you find the right people it can be done it's just really hard to find those people and it's even harder to keep those kind of people and uh yeah so to me that and the portion of it's also important to i think be a big part of your kid's life and to raise them properly it's just the sacrifice you got to make there honestly no amount of money in the world chad that you could say brandon I'll give you this much money, but you can't see your kid for the next 10 years. I'd say, keep it. Don't matter to me. Heck yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So how does Dean react? Is this being talked about a bunch? Are you guys start? Is he, are you guys starting to see the writing on the wall that the partnership is getting ready to end? The friendship will never end. Yeah. But is, is there businesses can destroy a friendship. You guys, partnerships can destroy a friendship. Sure they can. You guys don't let it get to that point. You go maturely to Dean and say this, or does he see the writing on the wall and you guys just sit down and he understands that it's time to to break off the partnership and you go your own way? Uh, we openly talked about it quite a bit, whether it was going to be um, one guy go his separate way from the partnership or sell it altogether um, as a whole. Dean's got two young kids as well. You know, he's got four kids, uh, two of them are older and two of them are younger, but they're showing huge interest in the hunting world. They they want to be in the woods with their dad. They want to be out there checking whitetail baits. They want to be spending time out there. His wife um, is an amazing cook. She's a great people person. She, you know, is in tune with everything that goes on around the lodge. So they they knew what they're getting into and they knew that, that all this is, co- you know, coming to head and it, it's good because now they can take that and build it up for their family the way they want to do it and you know, it's, it's good. Partnerships can be hard sometimes because people clash, but that can also build a better business. You know, you, when you start sometimes disagreeing on something, you talk it out and you figure out the best way, what's best for the business. And you do it that way. And yeah, me and Dean had a great relationship that way. We talk about all sorts of stuff and, uh, you know, we'll do what was best for the business. It always wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't always what Dean wanted to do, but that's business. You, You know, you're not always doing what you want to do. You're doing what's best for the business. So yeah, um, I think what's happened with Buck Countries was the best scenario and the best decision. They live right next door to the lodge. They've got a beautiful lodge there. It's it's set up perfectly to accommodate everybody. Janet does an amazing job of feeding everybody, and Dean's got his you know his thumb on the prize there. He's got all his guys lined up, and they're all out in the bush right now working, setting up whitetail baits for this fall. And yeah, I I, I do miss it a lot. It's uh, <laughs> it's been something I've done for eighteen years, but I think Dean and his family. How are bad do you miss it? Does does tears ever come to your eyes? No, not not. It's not sad. No, no. I knew it was happening. Do you get emotional note today though, knowing that you don't get to wake up in whitetail camp tomorrow? No, because I know I can go over there any, any day of the week and sit down and have a cold beer with the boys and all the people that I've made friends with, they're still all there hunting with Dean and Dean's like, yeah, come on by buddy. Stop in anytime. You're always welcome here. So that's, that's the cool part about doing business with family. A lot of people say it can be bad. I have yet to have a bad experience doing business with family. It's been great with my parents and my brother, Adam, in the fishing lodge. It's been great with Dean. It's been great when I worked with Grant. I think if you pick and choose the proper people you're going to do business with and, you know, you don't get emotionally attached to your business, even though you really, really care about it, don't get to the point where your emotions start making your decisions for you in the business. You'll do just fine. What do you mean by that? I mean, like if you, if you really care about what you're doing and you want to do something a certain way, um, if that's not what's best for that business, but in your heart, that's really what you want to do. You need to sit down with your partner and talk it out. And if you both don't agree on it, you need to compromise, find the best thing and don't let your feeling, don't be, don't be angry about a decision that needs to be made when it comes to doing business. If you start getting angry about decisions that you're making that are best for your business, you're going to, you'll sink your own ship. 
you just gotta you gotta keep your eye on the prize at the end of the day and what is you know what's your goals what's your end result where do you want to be think you know make a game plan make a business plan a lot of people get into business and they just sit there and they say oh i'm just going to do this and it's all going to work out it might but it might not and if it doesn't you better have a plan so you gotta, have, a, you, gotta have, you have to have a, a, a plan in place you have to sh- have a strategy you have to have short-term goals long-term goals what are you what are you best at brandon when it comes to business what are your strengths as an entrepreneur and as a businessman because this podcast isn't just about you know here's another outfitter that that catches big fish or kills big whitetail you know what because there's a lot of outfitters that kill a lot of big whitetail but you are been doing this you're seasoned already at 35 years old (laughs) what are your strengths how did you do this how do you what do you attribute to your success and i'm not talking about the family or the support that you got i understand you're humble and i know what it takes a team to build the village right but what are your strengths as a businessman you know nobody really likes to toot their own horn when it, i'm not saying i know you don't i'm just asking i'm asking because i'm interested in why somebody with you because i saw it at a young age your personality the way you can control a room how you stood out in a room how you took care of people how passionate and loyal you were but what has made it to where here we are 15 years later after you start this journey almost 16 years later when you're 18 you go into business for yourself how, how what makes you a good businessman why are you so successful i believe that probably boils down to a lesson my father taught me when i was just a little little boy is just be a man of your word and treat people like people when you look a man in the eye and you tell him something's going to happen or you make a deal with him or you shake his hand you do that and that doesn't happen so often anymore nowadays because people they get selfish and they get greedy and if you're a man of your word and you say something you're going to do is you're going to do it it happens you'll never do wrong in life everybody will look at you and say that's an honest sincere fellow right there and i believe that's can be anybody's best attribute so call a spade a spade and uh you know some people have soft feelings and you have to word things properly sometimes but sometimes people need to hear things whether they want to hear it or not um but yeah just be a straight shooter i think that's your your best deal in life chad is uh it'll get you where you want to go if you can do it so honesty absolutely be a straight shooter yep saying what you believe in standing up for what you believe in not being you can't be soft no you can't be soft you have to be able to draw lines in the sand and say hey this is this is for the business like you touched on a little bit before i understand you're an honest man and that your dad taught you that but a lot of people were taught that value when they were kids sure honesty look at me i tell my daughter all the time this and boom i watch her at eight nine years old now and i'm just like holy smoke she gets it she (laughs) gets it Yep. She understands compassion. She understands the people, you know, that people have different emotions. You got to, people are different. She gets it. She gets it better than I do. She having a daughter has taught me huge life lessons. Sure. A lot of people are taught what you just said. That doesn't make you a successful businessman. My opinion is, is this, and I'm not arguing with you. I understand that you can be a failure if you start off at something. And I, I faced it in my career. Hey, man, I'll get you a duck call. And then I go to the next duck camp. Oh, I can get you some ammo because you helped me out. And then I'd go to the next duck camp. Oh, I, yeah, you need, and people are asking me, hey, you can get me a discount on a gun. And here I am becoming a yes guy. Yeah, I can do that. I can yeah. do that. I can. And the next thing you know what? I'm dropping the balls. And then you know what? People think that I'm not being, that I'm that guy you're talking about that wasn't honest. When I'm sitting here going, I want to do it. Yep. I just didn't have the means to get it done. I wanted to be the yes man, but I was getting bombarded. It's not an excuse. It's just part of this life that when you're meeting so many people and your network starts to get big, people start to ask for you. You want to give to people because they're helping you. And the next thing you know, you drop the ball on somebody. So I understand the values. That's a very important value in life, but there's a lot of people that go to business school. There's a lot of people that open the doors to a small business and they fail. They're honest. They shake hands and they follow through. They do what they say they're going to do. They're transparent. What makes you a good businessman, Brandon? Is it your know-how to sell? Can you close a deal? Are you a strong negotiator? Do you have unbelievable vision for your lodge and, and this experience that people are going to get? What makes you so successful? You deliver. You deliver on what you tell people you're going to give them. And when, when, you, when you get somebody's time and they, they're talking with you, you, say you have 10 minutes with somebody and you have to sell them a, a deer hunt. Well, You'll talk to them first a little bit, probably about their family. And, you know, just it's being a people person. You can't sit there and not talk to a person. You have to figure figure them out quick. Ask them a few key questions. Ask them, you know, about their family, what they do for a living. Once you figure all that stuff out, you start selling it. You talk to them about why you're the best. Why are you the best there is? 
got some of the best whitetail hunting ground there is. I have the best people working for me. We serve the best food in our lodge. We have the best accommodations. We are the best there is. And everybody that work, works for you is on the same page because you are the best there is, right? Anybody that's running their own business wants to be and should be the best there is. So that's all part of it. Just deliver on what you're selling people. And once you get it sold to them, great. You have their money. They're coming up for the experience. They're coming up for a whitetail hunt. Deliver. Make sure they have the best experience possible. And whether that means sitting up telling jokes and stories till 3.30 in the morning and getting up again at 5 to be back to work, that's what you do. So being a man of your word, being able to deliver on that, if you went into a master's business course, let's say that I invited you down to the States and I wanted you to give a speech on the entrepreneurial spirit and all these kids are looking at you in that college classroom and they, they got these visions. They want to be, they want to own the best retail store that sells the new jeans. They want to start a coffee shop and be the next Starbucks. They, they have all these visions, right? Yep. What is that? What you tell them from you get 60 minutes, you're going to start with what your dad taught you with shaking hands and delivering and being a man of your word or not delivering, but being a man of your word. And then you're going to end it by saying, um, you got to deliver on everything that you say. You're not going to go into the the parts of actually what the pressures are of being a businessman and what the risks are and that you can't be afraid of risk because to me, you've taken some huge risks. You you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in investment yeah. on boats and lodges and rods and reels and and everything that goes into being an outfitter, whitetail tags. You could fall flat on your face. You could. That lake could freeze over and you never get to catch a fish. That The Canadian government could come in and say, hey guys, no more fishing on Cree Lake. The, the, the lake trout thing have been dev- the lake trout population has been devastated something happen can happen yeah it can happen so, with anything though where i'm going with this is that do you ever think about that part of business of the risks that you take and that every single day you're you you you're letting it ride that's what being a, the entrepreneurial spirit is you took some big risks most of the guys your age would be in the oil field. They'd be in Edmonton. They'd be in Toronto. They'd be yep. in a cubicle. They'd be in an accounting office. They'd be a doctor. They'd be a lawyer. I'm not saying that you reinvented the wheel and I'm not saying that no. you're the best businessman in the world, but there's something inside your psyche and your spirit. This is a spirit, Brandon. Not many people get to drive down from Pierce land to Buck Paradise and Paradise Hill, Saskatchewan on a Tuesday and hunt geese on a Wednesday and a Thursday and know that you're making money while you're doing it and you're only 35. So it's not just about your dad's life lesson. And it's not just about being able to deliver. You have something special in your spirit that has brought you to the point of like, you've made a lot of right moves because you weren't afraid to take a risk. And once that risk was taken, you, del- you like, I don't know if you surrounded yourself with the right people or if you just ran into a whole bunch of luck, but to be this successful at 35 in the outfitting business is not normal. Well, the, the risk portion of it, obviously you think about that once in a while, but if you think about it on a daily basis, you're going to drive yourself insane. So look at the good, look at all the positive stuff that can come out of running one of these businesses. Look at the people you meet and the friends you make. And, you know, obviously your friends and the people you meet, they don't pay the bills, but they do help you pay the bills because they're the ones coming up for the experience and the time with you. So focus on the good things. Don't sit there and, and stew on, oh, this could happen. That could happen. Don't get me wrong. Put that as part of your business plan and always have a, that in your back pocket and that in the back of your mind. That these could happen. Be prepared for those situations. But if you sit there and think, oh, man, they could shut down whitetail hunting. They could shut down fishing. They could do that. You're never going to go buy a fishing lodge or a hunting lodge or, you know, become an outfitter because you'll drive yourself crazy sitting there thinking that you're going to fail. So don't sit there and think you're going to fail. You know, if you're ready to get your hands dirty and you're ready to work, you're ready to put in some effort and you're ready to take take people out and show them a good time. Yeah. You'll do just fine, but you got to be ready to work a little bit. Work ethics, big part of it. Absolutely. Spirits part of it. Yeah. And be a good leader. You know, if, if Ooh, you, there's something you touched on. Well, you want one of your guides to go out in minus 40 weather and go take guys out. You better be dang well ready to go do that yourself too. So, you know, at the same time, don't be afraid of failure. At the same time, don't be afraid to go out there yourself. If, you know, if you, the people working for you are slightly concerned and that's not with all, all businesses by any stretch, it's, uh, you, you got to be a solid leader for the people that are coming to work for you. Definitely. Because if you're not 
showing them and teaching you know some of these guys are young they're fresh out of school they want to i want to learn about hunting whitetail not that they haven't hunted whitetails before but i want to learn how to guide and stuff like that well you better be ready to show them how to go out there and, and do it properly and work hard and and get after it and by being a good leader it, uh, it builds you a good business so now we're getting into leadership see what i mean is like there's so many things that go into owning your own business and having that spirit because it starts with the foundation sure but I'm telling you, man, a lot of people have that foundation. There's something that runs in, an, in the soul of a, a businessman that I feel is different. And I'm not trying to make it sound like it's bigger than it is. But yeah. if you think about the life you've created for yourself. Yeah, been pretty lucky, really. It's freaking awesome, ain't it? Look at, what, look at what we get to do, Brandon. Yeah. Look at what we did in the last 24 hours. Look at how special this is. I got to come to Canada with open arms from you, from Grant, from Clay Charlton, from all the people that we run with up here. Yep. And I just sit there and have to pinch myself like, we're not lucky. We worked our asses off. Absolutely. We made a lot of right moves. Did we piss some people off along the way? Probably. Sure. Did we do everything right? Probably not. No. You learn. You mature from that and you try to you try to progress and become a better version every day. You don't get ignorant and say, oh, yeah, I'm just going to stay this way or that way. You got to adapt. And at the end of the day, you look at it and you're like, you have a freaking pilot's license. <laughs> yeah. It's probably one we, of the best things I've done in the last We could have an entire years. talk about you're leaving Dean, you're taking private plane lessons, and now at 35 years old, you own your own Cessna 185. Yep. And you fly yourself and your family and your kids into Cree Lake with pontoons on amphibious style of landing gear yeah. and land on Cree Lake at 35 years old in your own freaking plane. Yeah. It's, it's just that easy though, Chad. You just go get your license, get an airplane. It is, and, huh? and it's just that easy, huh? It really is. Really, that's not a risk either. Just saying, hey, I'm just going to go be, become my own pilot. Everything's a risk. As we talked about earlier, don't be afraid. Of, don't look at all the negative. Get rid of the negative stuff. What's Isn't the positives? Isn't that the moral of this podcast? Absolutely. Isn't get, that what people do, though? They get scared. Well, you watch the news. News is negative. Everything's, Everything's negative. negative. Get rid of the negative. Focus on the good stuff, the good people in your life. If you have negative people in your life, remove them. It, it's dragging you down the long road. Stop and think about that for a minute. Like, honestly, think. If you have somebody where you sit there and somebody's popping into your brain right now as you're listening to this, and you're saying... This, this is it. This is the person that's dragging me down. And not, not to say remove people from your life. Don't remove any of your close friends, your brother, your family. That's all very important. Sometimes when your family can be negative, you need to look past that stuff with family and friends. But if, if there's not just people, but things and, and everything as a whole, people focus too much as a whole on negative stuff. Get rid of it. Carry on. Look at the good. Where are we going with this? Let's get there. Let's go. And it's amazing to where if you start to... I don't like to like dwell on or get on a soapbox and say, Hey, you need to meditate and you need this. But if you really do think about just your psyche and how you can turn it on and off. And if something negative happens and I used to dwell on it, sure. Oh my God, we've been up here at buck paradise for six days and there's the geese aren't cooperating. The migration's slow. It's slow right now. And I'm sitting here. What are we doing? We get work done. You learn something every day. You adapt, you figure it out because you if you sit there and dwell on that negative, like we're not getting the kills that we need on film. You know what? We tell a better story than that. Sure. A monkey could kill a goose. Absolutely. I want to be, I want to tell Brandon's story. I want to, last year we we're in the combines with Grant. I mean, yep. We took all the time in the world to get up in those combines and in those grain trucks and those haul trucks and get with Ian and get with Garrett and get with Grant and get with everybody that's helping run in the farming practice of Buck Paradise. And uh, people are like, man, we don't really know. They, they, they start. And then they're like, oh my gosh, look at what's going on here. Look at the correlation between farming and outfitting and hunting and camaraderie and family and yeah. family business and income and revenue and living off the land and organic and, and being a provider for your family. And now you have the farming mixing with the hunting and the birds eat these farm fields and the whitetail eat these crops. Yep. And I'm sitting there going, how can you not see that? So I sit here and go, I ain't going to dwell that the geese aren't working. I'm going to wake up and go do a photo shoot. I'm going to go scouting, but I'm going to film that scouting because that's what's part of it. If yep. they're not there, I'm going to say, hey, man, we're struggling. Yeah. Just because we have a TV show and we ha get to shoot a, a Benelli because they're our, our presenting sponsor, our title sponsor, doesn't mean that freaking Mother Nature is going to lay the geese in our lap. No. Right? So what you're saying is the most important part of the entrepreneurial spirit is that it's not 
that things are going to fall into place. You have to be able to strategize and have a vision and a road to success and understand that when something falls off that hillside and blocks that road to success, you just step over it with a smile on your face. Now, is that always easy? No. No. Sometimes you are going to be depressed. Sometimes sadness is going to set in. You are going to wake up and go, man, I'm exhausted. Man, I don't want to go back out there. But if you just find a little bit of motivation. That's right. This is where I'm going with this doors open. So when I was not killing geese, but I was in that combine and I am so passionate about Grant's story and your story, you know what happens? So many doors have opened because of those episodes with businesses, with people that invite us into their lives that would have never, ever considered it until they saw what we, what we were able to paint by showing that part of the business, because it wasn't just, we're up in Canada, we're crushing geese and we're the best duck hunters in the world because we have our mojos going and they're just landing our laps. I don't, that's, that wasn't what I wanted, man. I had a vision of like, I see this. So when I saw you here yesterday, I'm like, dude, there's more to this. This freaking kid is freaking killing life, raising a family kicking ass at Cree Lake, has his pilot's license, owns his own freaking plane. He owns his own lodge. He's the owner of several lodges that he's bought and sold in the business. He's, sure. he got, he's, he's been in outfitting. He's been in hunting and whitetail and bear. And now you're running maybe one of the most successful fishing businesses in the whole province of Saskatchewan, because you know why it's evident you're present and you're out there and you learn that from Grant. So now we ro- rotate back mm-hmm. to where the early stages of Grant success came. Primos. Mossy Oak, Mr. Fred Zink, all of the stuff we did up here with DU Waterdog and Shannon Nardi and Justin Tackett and the foul life and Pat and Nicole Reeve. And, and now what happens? You turn on the TV and you see Cree Lake Lodge and Monster Trout, Lake Trout and Northern Pike coming out of those waters on TV because you learn that about how important it is to stay present and be evident. Sure. And associate yourself with good people. All those people you just named, Chad, I've met all of them personally myself. and. They're all good people. They're all people that I would, if they were in a bind or needed help with anything, I'd be there to give them a hand. And surround yourself with good people that are good at what they do. That's another big part of it too. It'll help you do well. Um, Some people get caught up in the moment. They just want, they want the presence of somebody who is a self-proclaimed professional. Um, You know, you get these people that think they're really good at what they're doing, but their presence to your business could do you more harm than good. So yeah. be careful who you pick and, and choose. With social media, it's, there's not a more important time to be careful because Absolutely. it's easy to look happy and famous on yeah. social media. It sure is. Incredible but, and proclaim yourself a, 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 an authority on something. Yeah, learn how to say proclaimed. I guess I need to do that too. But, <laughs> learn how to say proclaimed. but no, it's uh, it's been, you know, like say me being 34 years old right now, and the people I've met and the paths I've got to cross with certain individuals and just spend time with the people that appreciate it. That's one of the great things about hunting and fishing. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you do at the end of the day, really. We're all out here trying to do the same thing, and uh, which it's great. Get out, enjoy it, get your kids out there, have fun with it. That's the biggest thing. Have fun with it. Make sure everybody has a good time. That's what the outdoors are there for, family, friends, and a good time. And I have yet to be proven wrong on that. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So where do people find you? How do they book a trip? What is the easiest way? Are you booked to where you don't need new clients or how, what can people expect? How does it start? Where do they find you? And then what can they expect once they land on that water? Yeah. Most people can just visit our webpage. All our contact information's on there. We got an Instagram account. We got Facebook. We got all the social media stuff that you need, but uh, the webpage is just creelakelodge.com. And from there, same thing basically with Facebook and uh, Instagram, but um, mine and my brother's contact info is on there. Phone us. We'd like to talk to you personally. That's the best way. If you don't like talking on the phone, send us an email. We'll answer it, you know, as soon as we can. Um, from there, we just basically answer any questions we can for for whoever's wanting to come up and spend some time with us. And after that, basically, we organize everything. Everything will be right orderly. You get off that dock, there'll be a cold stocked up bar. If you like cold beer and a whiskey sitting there waiting for you, if you just want a soda and a bottle of water, well, that's just fine too. That'll be sitting there waiting for you as well. We got fresh supper when everybody gets off the plane, get them settled in their cabins, hang out, tell stories, get everybody's gear rigged up, get them all sorted for the next day, meet the guides. And then the next morning we have fresh breakfast cooked. Guys are out in the dock gone fishing for the day fresh fish shore lunch out catching giant northern pike lake trout maybe a little bit of walleye some arctic grayling spend the day on the water um you know like say the guides cook you fresh fish shore lunch over the fire back for a few more beverages and a hangout in the evening campfire maybe a little game of cornhole some horseshoes 
just hang out, BS, have a great supper again, and then uh, all our cat back to the cabin. All the cabins are rigged up with washrooms, toilets, um, you know, comfy beds, heaters. So it's good to go. And the size of these fish can range from what? Lake trout are going to be, what's an average and how big have you seen on one of your boats? We, you know, if you spend a day fishing lake trout, you're going to put a 20 plus pound lake trout in the boat. You know, that's pretty much a given. Um, we've caught 60 to 65 pound lakers before on Cree with clients. Um, Northern Pike, we're catching, you know, some 15 to 25, even some 30 pound lake trout or Northern Pike, sorry. And uh, we've caught even some 30 plus pound Northern Pike. And so, yeah, there's some big fish in the lake. It's, it's an amazing fishery. We do all catch and release. You know, we eat fresh fish for shore lunch daily, but uh, we're not packing out coolers full of fish or ready to take home. And I apologize to people that enjoy, love eating fish, but, you know, I enjoy eating it myself. But to keep a good fishery, you need to let all those big fish go back into the lake. So it's uh, catch and release, barbless, and, you know, we have fresh fish daily for lunch. But, uh, yeah, keeps the fishery pretty strong when you're putting all those big fish back in the lake for everybody to come back and keep enjoying year after year. Love it protect the resource respect the resource yep absolutely respect outdoors yeah brandon shiver congratulations brother yeah thanks chad it's a I badass appreciate story it. man well it's all good it's all uh it's you know there's a lot of people a guy could sit here and thank but they know who they are and uh yeah it's good good to good to have good friends meet people like yourself and your brother and basically everybody you guys have brought along the way too has been been fantastic good people to hang out with so yeah and that's what this life ain't for everybody's all about different walks of life that meet because of something in common, whether it's duck camp, whether it's turkey camp, fishing camp, whether it's around a golf, you might not want to take the same road that Brandon Scheiber has or somebody else in your life has. You got to set your own path. You can't sit there and dwell on the past. You have to open up doors. You have to keep pushing, making a better version of yourself. That's title of this podcast, again, does not mean that, hey, we, we wake up so early and we work so hard and this, you know, it's, it's a drag out here and this life ain't for everybody. The, everybody's walk of life is different. It might not be the same for everybody. Everybody. But one thing is for sure, if you open your ears and close your mouth and listen to people's story, you'll have a better understanding of how, why people are the way they are, how they were molded into the human beings that they were molded in. And that's going to open up a lot of doors. Don't close somebody off just because of different political views or different lifestyle choices. I've learned that over the years and some, it takes longer to learn that some learn it earlier in life. I'm happy and humbled that I've learned it. I'm very happy that I'm able to sit down and have these conversations. And I truly appreciate all the support of the podcast and what our audience has done with our TV shows, This Life Ain't For Everybody and the brand new The Foul Life podcast. Again, today's episode was brought to you by Federal Premium Black Cloud and Lear Camper Shells. Please support the partners and sponsors that support us. They're the ones that help us bring all of this content to you. And again, we're so humbled to be able to do so. I'm Chad Belding. I love this episode with my good buddy, Brandon Scheiber. Again, check him out at Cree Lake Lodge at Instagram, Facebook, Cree Lake Lodge, CreeLakeLodge.com. Get all the details you need to book your next fishing trip. And if you think that landing on an airplane and catching 30 pound lake trout and 15 pound northern pike and having a shore lunch and then a great dinner and a game of cornhole isn't one of the top goals in life. You're crazy. Yeah, I understand Italy. I understand South America. I know traveling, but to be at a remote location like that in the forest, in the bush of Northern Saskatchewan, I can't think of anything more cool. I can't wait to get up there myself. Brandon Scheiber at Cree Lake Lodge again, Tom Rashashin, please hit that button. Leith Lofton, what you going to do when the money's all gone? Thank you all so much. I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell. Out of soul, life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Say, life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?